Hello and welcome to Unpleasant Movies, the podcast dedicated to harsh and unrelenting cinema. My name is Sverre Ogur. And my name is Thomas Simonsen Bambra. And today we are discussing a South Korean movie. Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance by Park Chan-wook, made in 2002. Part of the Korean new wave of the early arts. And also the first film in the Vengeance trilogy by Park Chan-wook. Yeah. Well, it wasn't intended as a trilogy, I think, but thematically they're quite closely linked. Yeah, absolutely. My impression is that this was like a marketing ploy for like the, the Western audiences as these films became released. You have Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, Old, Old Boy, Boy and Lady Vengeance. Yeah. Also known in some markets as Sympathy for Lady Vengeance. Yeah. And they're thematically linked and thus put together as a trilogy. But there's no story connection. It makes across. sense uh, considering the success of Old Boy yeah. that, that they would link them together to sort of pander to a Western audience. Mm. Well, not pander, but market it. Yeah. And, uh, interesting <coughs> as a whole as well, I think. This movie is starring uh, Shin Ha-kyun as Ryu, this uh, sort of blue-green-haired... Deaf-mute. Deaf-mute uh, factory, worker. factory worker. And then you have uh, Sung Kang-ho, who's brilliant in my view, as uh, Dong Jin, yep. sort of a company head, uh, executive. And then uh, Bai Dona as uh, Young-mi, Ryu's uh, girlfriend. She's yeah, a, yeah, sort yeah. of a <laughs> communist uh, mm. sympathizer, hands out leaflets. Pretty interesting character. And these these actors are more or less quite familiar by Donna, yeah. She's been in Cloud Atlas, among other things. Yeah, she's been on a, quite a few uh, uh, South Korean projects. All of mm. them are sort of veterans of the Korean movie industry. And all of them uh, are great. I think um, uh, Shin Ha-kyun and uh, Sung Kang-ho was in uh, Joint Security Area. Yeah, uh, that's the film he made just before. Uh, yeah, also a great movie. Absolutely, um, yeah. Though totally quite different. Yeah, and Kong Ho has done a lot of things like Memories of Murder and The yeah, Host. Yeah, he did uh, Memories of Murder and the new one, um, Parasite. Yeah, <coughs> The Host and Thirst. He's, yeah, he's great. Quite, quite prolific. He's quite prolific and he's really great. He, he has a sort of a vibe of a everyman about him, so he's sort of able to play a lot of different characters because you sort yeah. of believe him as a police officer or a, like a... Yeah, or even a doofus. Or even a doofus, yeah. yeah. He can play smart or dumb or whatever. Yeah. He's just a, it's sort of a regular Joe kind of guy. But he has a certain intensity to him. Yeah, he does. He's uh, quite charismatic in his own right. So in, in this movie, he plays a business owner for yeah. an electronics company who's kid is kidnapped by Ryu because the thing is the plot is Ryu and his girlfriend yeah the plot is about uh, Ryu's sister who needs a kidney transplant or she's going to die yeah that's sort of the impetus for all the bad shit that happens he tries to get a kidney from some um, some sort of shady gang and uh, he gets his kidney stolen and doesn't get a kidney in return he he has the wrong blood type to donate to his sister yeah so he tries to make a deal with this gang like he he'll give them a kidney and he'll get a kidney in return and he has to pay like 10 million one one um Mm. but they just take the money and his kidney (laughs) yeah and uh, they leave him uh... yeah and then right afterwards uh the doctors inform him that they found a donor yeah but now he doesn't have the money to pay that yeah, so his girlfriend uh, has this idea. She's kind of like a, a the homegrown anarchist yeah. type. Uh, and also the brains. Like, he's a bit of a doofus, really. Anyway, she... she um, An assertive, anyway. 
her idea is to kidnap the son of uh, his boss, but then they decide they won't do that because that will be too suspicious. So mm. they kidnap um, his his boss's friend's child. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I love the scene money. where they decide uh, that they decide on that. Yeah, because there's a. Well, it seems like the the employees at this company are being mistreated. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, they're being laid off. Yeah. Uh, and this one guy, he lies down in front of the car of these executives and they get out with their children and he gets up and he cuts his belly and says like, I worked here for six years and you, you got to give me my job back. Anyway, like he doesn't try to commit suicide, but it, it seems yeah, like he's going to. he self-mutilates in front of uh, with his a, former boss and with the With a paper knife, it's super intense and quite funny scene. It, it, mm. it reminds me of um, Roy Andersson. Yeah. It has a bit of that vibe, the kind of the kind slightly of absurdist... Absurd, uh, pathetic, yeah. but funny yeah. and sad in the same... like. But also of, quite gruesome in this yeah, case. Yeah, quite gruesome. <laughs> but it's really... It's, it's funny. Anyway, that's when they decide that they are not going to kidnap the son, but instead do something a bit, that's less traceable to them. Because yeah. Ryo got laid off from his work, so he will be suspected. Yeah. But I mean, they're quite sympathetic people. Their idea is to do like a, a nice kidnapping yeah. where nobody will be hurt. Unfortunately, though, there is an accident. We can get into that later. Mm. And, uh, and well, that's ch- this movie. Just uh, bad shit keeps happening. Yeah, uh, like every situation, every situation escalates uh, from bad to worse. Yeah, and uh, the perspective changes to um, Dong Jin Park, the uh, business leader, father character, Song Kang Ho. Yeah, and um, his. Uh, Search for vengeance. Yeah, and so it's that's a bit m- unclear who is Mister Vengeance in this <laughs> case. The the title is a bit um, I don't know. I can't really like connect it to the movie because I I, I don't quite understand how it well, applies to it. Yeah, I mean the literal translation of the South Korean title is more akin to Vengeance is Mine. Yeah. But the thing is, that's actually also the name of a Japanese film from uh, 1979 by Shuhei Imamura. So they might have chosen to go with a different title. Because of that. But I would say mm. that is a much more applicable name yeah. and a better yeah. title. But I'm, uh, I'm pretty sure this is the character that it refers to as Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. It seems to me that that's who they're going for, but it could be applied to... Several characters. Yeah, that's why I think uh, Vengeance is Mine Mm -hmm. uh, would be better because it's sort of... uh, Mm. There are multiple people with uh, some scores to settle. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's like... Things uh, go bad for everybody. Yeah. Let's just put it there. There's a lot of veggies going on. It's, Mm. uh, It's one of the best... Well, I can say right now, I think it's an amazing movie. It's a really good movie. Yeah, I really like it. And one of the best stories about Vengeance... Since forever, yeah. Since the Count of Monte Cristo, like it's well, well, just so just an exploration good. of uh, the cost of violence yeah. and uh, the futility of vengeance. The Vengeance trilogy by Chan Wook Park is not about a glorification of violence. No, 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 no. Uh, it's about <laughs> how bad it is and the consequences uh, you have to pay. The horrific consequences, and it makes you look at the consequences. Like yeah. there's a lot of violence, but it's never gratuitous. Mm. It's uncomfortable, but it's there to serve a purpose. It's interesting. I, I guess most people would be familiar with Old Boy's film after this. And uh, stylistically, they're quite different. I mean, this is a very handsome movie. Beautifully shot. The cinematography is great. Uh, the cinematographer, Kim Byung-il, there are some like really visually striking shots. Like there's a lot of scenes shot from above. There are some beautiful close-ups. There are some scenes where you can't really see what's going on to a great effect. 
Like the elevator scene where you show Ryu holding his girlfriend's hand. Well, I mean, there's a lot of very beautiful compositions, like yeah, very some, tightly. Very sometimes they even carry story or character beats very beautifully done. Yeah, I think like they're almost tableaus in a way. Yeah, like, yeah, just some very of them. nice compositions mm. of elements. Mm. But in difference to Old Boy, which is kind of more like a a, a flashy kind of uh, very stylistic film yeah. in another sense it uses jump cuts it uses clips from uh, the news all sorts of stuff yeah this is much more restrained in a way and also uh, the sound design yeah. in combination with the cinematography mm. is just so beautiful because it's mm. quite somber it's quite i don't know how to explain it but it's really elegant even though it's a super intense movie it's also mm. a very tranquil movie yeah for the like most there's part, a lot yeah. of uh, like when they're outside there's a lot of you can hear mm. the wind mm. birds chirping and there's a lot of lingering shots yeah and it contrasts so well with the intensity of the violence and the shit going on yeah i mean most of the sound design is quite naturalistic and specific scenes it uses very subjective music for example to uh, create a sort of heightened intensity avant-garde type music uh, yeah the, the, in, the percussions it, it happens stuff. Uh, like a uh, three or four times yeah. in the movie mm. where you hear this cacophonic um avant-garde like brass instruments mm -hmm. uh, and percussions. it sounds yeah. really intense like it's almost like a hitchcock move mm. the first time it happens i think it's combined with slow motion and it serves to really bring you out of the normal mode of the movie and into a really intense uh, and horrific mindset it works really well yeah Absolutely. Uh, one of the examples is when um, Ryu wakes up with his uh, kidney stolen and then it goes into this yeah. really intense scene. He's just lying there in this parking place. and it's just uh, concrete. Yeah. It's just so barren yeah. and horrific. Mm. And then the, the second time, I think, is um, when he notices that the girl they kidnapped has drowned. Yeah, that's, that's also very strong. Because mm. uh, what's happened is... Um, his sister, upon discovering that uh, Ryu and his girlfriend has kidnapped the kid, because she thinks he's just watching it, she becomes filled with grief and kills herself. Yeah, which, she commits suicide yeah. in, the, in the bathtub. It kind of comes a bit out of the blue, plot-wise, because they haven't really spent much time on the sister character. No, and also it mm. happens right after a, quite a funny and charming scene yeah. in which Ryu comes home after uh, sort of extorting the father for money. Mm. And he comes back with a briefcase and uh, the girl they kidnapped is watching TV and it's sort of quirky and funny. Yep. And right after that, the juxtaposition. Comes, comes as a bit of a surprise, really. And so he decides to bury his sister at the place where he used to play with her when they were kids. Yeah, that's significant. So, the movie yeah. starts with a shot of, uh, mm. of them two as children playing in the sort of a riverside uh, landscape. Uh, it, yeah, I think like the, a rocky the first scene uh, is actually uh, like a child's foot splashing in a puddle of water. Yeah. And that's uh, repeated later when he goes to bury his sister. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a, a rocky area because uh, him being deaf mute, he doesn't speak, of course. So it uses um, this framing device of a radio host where he's sent in a letter speaking to his sister about the kidney uh, situation and how he wants to donate his kidney. Of course, he can't do that because his blood type is wrong. Yeah, and also mm. sometimes there's uh, text on screen yeah. to show, show his uh, thoughts. or, or um, Yeah, occasionally when he communicates uh, to uh, his sister or his um, girlfriend. Yeah, and also a very nice touch uh, sound design-wise mm. is uh, sometimes when you see stuff, stuff from uh, Ryu's um, perspective, mm. the sound is muted mm. because it's mute. 
So like yeah, that's one of the yeah the subjective sound design things that yeah, it does. So mm. it's there's a lot of stuff going on, mm. a lot of subtle details that mm. are just really make it very like it's a harrowing watch, but it's also a very pleasurable watch because it's made so so well. Um, yeah, I mean, as I was uh, talking about earlier, like the the violence is, it's not stylistic or glorified. It's quite unpleasant. It's quite slow. It's quite horrific to look at. And it lingers. Yeah. At the same time, it has kind of like um, an absurdist quality to it now and again. Sometimes it's quite funny, actually. Yeah, yeah. A lot of these scenes are like bleakly absurd and funny at the same time as they're quite uncomfortable and difficult. Yeah, that's why I mentioned uh, Roy Andersson. Yeah. It's the same. It gives me a lot of the same vibes. It's the sort of bleakly, Mm. sort of depressingly funny. Like there's Mm. a black humor, Mm. like in even the most brutal scenes, like... The last scene mm. where he's, uh, well, we're obviously going to spoil the entire thing, where he's getting stabbed by those communists mm. and they stab this paper to him. Anarchists. <laughs> yeah, communists, anarchists, whatever. Well, explicitly they're called anarchists, not communists, I think. No, but they are they are mm. socialist anarchists, so they mm. are sort of, but also they are communists and like she tries to escape to North Korea yeah. stuff. But they stab this, not manifesto, but mm. sort of a execution warrant. On his on chest. His chest. Yeah. And as he's dying, he's like looking down, trying to read it yeah. because he doesn't understand why he was getting killed. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of funny. Yeah. But it's also super sad. It's, it's interesting with this anarchist group. It's another element that kind of comes out of the blue because several times uh, during the plot, she threatens people, says, if anything happens to me, my anarchist friends are going to kill you. But she doesn't seem quite believable. And uh, Not only that, but the, the police yeah. who are investigating these, um, these uh, goings-on. Mm. They uh, specifically say, well, after she's murdered by, uh, by, uh, by Dong Jin, they say she's a member of this communist organization. And the investigator is like, yeah, let's pull a couple of them in and, and uh, interrogate yeah. them. Except she's the only member, they say. Yeah, she's the only member. So, um, so that comes out of the blue because she's not the only member. Yeah, so w- when they turn up in the end and exact her vengeance upon Dong Jin, mm. it's almost a Vengeance surprise, on yeah. vengeance. On, there's yeah. a lot of vengeance going mm. on. And it's also just mm. such a surprise and a funny and weird way to end yeah. the movie. And, and dark. Like The violence is really brutal. Yeah, and it's interesting also. This it's quite It's a very grounded film. Everything feels... Realistic, in yeah, a sense. like the violence is a bit clumsy yeah. and off. Like these anarchists at the end, mm. it feels they they seem uh, very unprofessional and inexperienced. Really, they look like academics mm. more than like killers. They're just four guys that come in a car and they're a bit shaky. They're flinching a bit and they they stab him and uh, and they look at the situation after it's happened and they kind of uh, f- not uneasy exactly, but a bit unsure about themselves. Yeah, and then they. They leave. I think in general throughout the movie, the violence is depicted as very sort of clumsy and v- realistic. Like mm. it's it's grounded. Everything that happens mm. is quite grounded, which, yeah. which makes it all the more horrific in a sense because you don't have the sort of choreographed violence that you often see in Western movies. It's choreographed in quite a different way. Like it's... Yeah, and, and also in Old Boy. I'd say that's one of the main differences between this and that film. Yeah, definitely. This I, was, is very, I was going to mention that the violence yeah. in Old Boy is quite choreographed mm. in a different way than this movie. Yeah. I really like Old Boy. Though for myself, I think I prefer this a bit. And, and one of the reasons is that 
um, Old Boy kind of glorifies its violence a little bit. Even though it's also ugly and the vengeance theme is complicated, it's also stylish to the degree that it's, it's kind of cool. In this film, it absolutely, there's nothing cool about the violence in this film. It's just unhappy and ugly. Yeah, really. in general, there's no cool shit going on at all. No. Uh, it's just sad and miserable and the vengeance. I like you, you understand the most motivations of all mm. the people who want vengeance, but yeah. it everything just occurs in this miserable and like the dark twists and turns. Mm. While I think Old Boy is a great movie, I think for my bucks, mm. uh, I think I prefer this movie. It's just really well put together, like extremely well directed and shot. Yeah, it feels uh, conceptually more complete to me. Old Boy also has a few of these maybe a bit contrived plot twists, whilst this feels, like I said, a lot more grounded and relatable in a sense. Uh, yeah. It feels like it's the kind of thing that happens. Yeah. Like, like it feels a bit... Like some of the stuff that happens, it's quite extreme and quite yeah. like weird, like the whole organ selling stuff. But but I don't think it's stuff that would never happen. I think it would definitely happen. Yeah. Mm. And there are some commonalities, though, I think, between mm. this one and Old Boy. Like mm. there's not a lot of dialogue and especially not of expository dialogue, but mm. there's not a lot of like typical movie dialogue. Mm. It's quite a... Like uh, like I said, it's quite a tranquil movie in a mm, sense because mm. you don't have the whole back and forth dialogue stuff mm. going on. Usually mm. it's just a character telling something mm. to another character in a quite realistic, naturalistic way. Yeah. I mean, this is very much uh, a show-don't-tell kind of affair. Uh, a lot of the plot beats are not communicated through dialogue or spoken. You're just shown the situations and you kind of have to interpret them a little bit at times as well. It demands that you pay attention, which fits very well. That's the theme it's dealing with. It's ambivalent, it's difficult. It demands that you think through what you've uh, been watching. And Yeah, I just say it takes the viewer seriously. Yeah. And I really like that. It doesn't spoon feed you anything. You're left to sort of uh, connect the dots yourself. Yeah. But by doing that, you, you get a much more sense of a rewarding where it's a more rewarding way of telling a story. Yeah. I mean, you're left with a feeling of unease at the end. Yeah. Because things haven't gone well and the violence is just pointless in a sense. Um, you get the feeling that this could have all happened much differently if just the circumstances were just a little bit different. It's just an unfortunate thing happens here, another one there, and then everything goes to hell. And it just feels bad. It feels really unfortunate because you have you have sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, <laughs> yeah. all the Mr. Vengeances. Yeah, because yeah, none of the characters are explicitly bad. They're just, I mean, they, they are actually quite violent. Uh, both Dong Jin and Ryu, they have each their scene where they they act very violently, yeah. uh, which um, is not very sympathetic. But No, it's uh, not sympathetic. But then again, they don't act violently out of the blue. No, there's. Yeah. Uh, perfectly yeah. good explanations for why they yeah. sort of lose their shit. Because Ryu, he takes his vengeance on the black market donor people. Yeah, that gang is really funny. Yeah. Like the first scene when he's trying to um, get uh, a kidney for his sister, mm. he meets up with them. And it's basically this old woman and her two goons, which yeah, sounds, you, you yeah. find later are, are yeah. her sons. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like a heroinist, yeah. like in the first uh, setup. 
uh, Ryu helps her set a shot. Yeah, that's interesting because he's obviously quite experienced with doing this. And the film doesn't really go into it anymore. No, again, like, and but it's he's also, clearly he's clearly done this before. And it's also not a necessary scene, which I mm. like. Mm. It adds a touch of uh, just realism to it that mm. he he's not rewarded. In a more simplistic movie, you might have have that included, but you'd have a reward for yeah. it. It would have like a plot function. Yeah. It doesn't have a plot function, but it does serve to bolster the personalities. You, you show that he's actually sympathetic towards yeah. this woman who's trying to extort him for an inordinate amount of cash yeah. to get a kidney. And probably experienced with people who have difficult situations. Yeah. So, mm. so it does serve a function, but just not mm. your typical function mm. that that scene might have had. But it's nice. It's a nice touch. And anyway, this gang is just... When he goes to take revenge on them, he... Uh, well, he finds out eventually where they are, and they're in the process of removing some other sucker's kidney, I guess. And and the son is fucking the patient, and the the mother is just sitting there at the table at the same time. It's super sordid, and just sort of darkly funny because the dynamic of this guy is just so weird. And yeah, because this is also one of the scenes that that's a little bit comic. Yeah, so it's, and it's, the way he's getting the ice um, for the organs, he goes to order a cake. Yeah. At a takeout place. Yeah, yeah, and, and, just throws and she asks, like, <laughs> so are you going far or do you need a lot of ice? And you're like, yeah, I'm going far. And immediately as he's out the door, yeah. just drops the cake on the pavement and takes the dry ice in the box for the organs. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of humorous elements like that, small mm. touches of humor that make this movie a less miserable experience than it would be otherwise. Yeah, but, I mean, the humor is also... A bit understated in a way. I mean, I could I could understand people watching it and not laughing. Yeah, it's not ha-ha funny, yeah. never, but it's darkly funny. I mean, I think it's a bit different how people would react. Like, some people might laugh out loud at, like, the absurdity and the weirdness of this uh, specific situations. But a lot of people also, I think, would just watch it and just feel bad and <laughs> not laugh. And that's fine, too. Yeah. Like, yeah. I like that it's not explicitly yeah. ha-ha funny. It's yeah, just some weird and sort of... It, it kind of has um, Kafka vibe in that sense. Uh, and he said as well that he's quite inspired by Kafka. Yeah, I can see that. Like Kafka is... He's known for being, you know, Kafka-esque and, and dark and having these uncomfortable situations. Mm. But in my view, he's one of the funniest writers ever yeah. too because Absolutely. he has these... Much like in this movie, he has a lot of weird characters that do a lot of sort of idiosyncratic mm. weird shit. And um, I laugh a lot when I read Kafka. Yeah, but I think a lot of people don't. They they don't, don't necessarily pick up on the humor. Yeah, so I, mm. I agree. I think uh, it, it depends on your sense of humor, I guess. Mm. I find this movie and, and, and Kafka both very mm. funny, but it's not explicitly funny, mm. I guess. Yeah, Oh Boy has maybe a bit more specifically some of these Kafka elements with the ant characters and... Yeah. That sort of stuff, but I think there's an element to it here as well. Yeah. I feel Oh Boy is more um, dreamlined movie than this one. Well, not streamlined, but it's sort of. Um, I understand why it has a wider appeal. Oh yeah, I mean it's very catchy and it's a slick movie. Yeah, very stylishly made. Did you see the remake? You know I didn't. Oh, damn. Did you? That was some fucking trash. Like why? Why remake that movie? Yeah. Like I understand the the monetary sort of incentive. Mm. Well, but, I think you could do it, but the director and casting choice just seemed off to me. Yeah. Josh Brolin is a very good actor, but he doesn't fit that kind of no, role. No, I, I love think. Josh Brolin, but yeah. he he feels too much of a, like an action hero in that movie. Yeah, um, and he's too like handsome and capable. You and need a like a loser <laughs> yeah. doofus, like someone who doesn't have shit together. Mm. 
I mean, maybe you could have Jonah Hill or something to do that. <laughs> it might be quite interesting, you know. I would watch that movie. Yeah. It would probably suck because... Well, I mean, it depends who you make. I think you, you absolutely can do it. They just don't understand the property well in that adaptation. Yeah, it seemed to me like a money grab that was made, uh, predicated on a sort of lack of understanding of what made it good. Mm. Because it wasn't that it was a like a, a sort of a blockbuster action movie that made mm. it good. It was really intense. Mm. It was an intense movie. And the main character, Choi Min-sik. Yeah. He's also in um, I Saw the Devil. He's really good in that one. Yeah, he was in I Saw the Devil. That's an amazing movie. Yeah, um, I love that film. Another great Korean New Wave movie. So a thing that I found also quite funny in this movie mm. was the um, inclusion of this disabled guy, which you first see when um, Ryu is um, going to bury his sister, basically, uh, and he's bringing along the kidnapped girl. And sort of out of the blue, this, uh, I don't know uh, what his ailment is, but he seems like he has a sort of learning uh, disability and a, a physical yeah. handicap of some sort. Yeah, he, he, I mean, it looks a bit like CP, but it's kind of like a movie dysfunction, like kind of like a amalgamation of different things that yeah, you imagine. Yeah, it doesn't like have a, to be a specific one. Mm. Like I, I was talking to you earlier about uh, a movie review I saw. Uh, Red Letter Media did a, a review of a movie starring John Travolta and it was directed by um, Fred Durst of mm. Limp Biscuit fame. He's directing movies now, apparently. And, cool. uh, and it, it wasn't a terrible movie uh, by all accounts, but John Travolta plays this crazed fan that's also uh, sort of... A, he's disabled, basically. And his ailment is also sort of vague. Mm. You, you recognize it from movies. Mm. I wouldn't recognize what it is. It's just sort of disabled mm-hmm. yeah but this doesn't feel character yet it feels very grounded and uh, yeah. it's kind of like a random character i mean yeah. he has a plot function but uh, it's nice that this film like the, the main character is deaf mute and um, includes like uh, characters with dysfunctions that yeah most films just don't they're just invisible no and i think like the fact that he's included at all mm. is such i just like the choice of it yeah. you wouldn't see that I think, in a normal Western movie. You wouldn't just have a random disabled guy that really doesn't serve any function other than tonally it's interesting. He's there and he he wants the necklace of the of the girl that's kidnapped. Yeah, because uh, Ryu is a bit of an artist. He does these nice uh, watercolor pictures and yeah. he makes um, this necklace for the girl they kidnap yeah. as a gift uh, and he takes it away to take a, like a sad picture of her to send her father. Yeah. Kind of a funny scene. And uh, after what happens is while he's burying his sister, she drowns in the background and he doesn't hear it because he's deaf mute. Yeah. And, um, but this disabled guy, he's there and he sees it. And when Ryu notices it, of course, he has a dramatic scene and he's going towards the kid. Yeah. And the, but he, he freezes up and this disabled guy goes up towards her and you think, oh, he's going to help her. But he's not really interested in her. He's interested in the necklace that uh, Rice <laughs> yeah. made. So it's also this kind of absurd and... It's absurd uh, and it's sad and it's dark. And mm. um, so when Dong Jin goes to the area because they found the girl, you know, yeah, and, and yeah. he's trying to investigate what yeah. happened, he comes across this guy and yeah. he's wearing the necklace. So mm. it does serve a plot function. Mm. Like, yeah, so he learns, learns the connection there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he sort of grabs it from his neck. Mm. But but the the guy never says anything and he just acts sort of strange and 
I just like the inclusion of it. It's, it's, a, it's yeah. one of many small details in this movie just that, that just makes it sort of off-kilter and weird and, yeah. and charming in a dark way. And it, kind of his presence also makes the mood feel a bit more unpredictable yeah. and kind of... Like the first scene, he, the girl is still alive that they kidnapped. Yeah. And it's sort of like, it, it almost seems like he could sail her or like... It, you don't know where to place him. Yeah. Exactly. He's an element of chaos yeah. in, the, in the movie. And it serves to make you uncertain of situations, uh, including him. And um, yeah, it's a nice touch. So how do you feel about the structure of the movie? It's quite precise. Like every event leads to another. It's very understandable as such. It's show don't tell. Yeah. Like you observe what happens and um, it's unpredictable. There are like... Um, accidents or unfortunate things that happen things don't happen quite the way you think they would the plot is yeah. unpredictable but yeah. i think themes are predictable yeah. like you understand that it's about vengeance and i and, and i love the fact that this um, anarchist gang shows up at the end because yeah. it, it caps up a movie about vengeance with sort of unpredictable vengeance mm. out of the blue but when it shows up you understand why and then, like mm. you understand the motivations yeah. even then it's just very masterfully done i think a lot of films that have these kind of twists and turns, they can feel a little bit contrived, perhaps. But everything feels very grounded and natural, in a sense. Yeah. The progression of plot. Concerning twists and turns, Parasite by uh, Bong Joon-ho uh, has yeah, a film. lot of twists and turns. Yeah, mm. the new one. Great movie, but it doesn't feel as... Um, it feels more chaotic. In this movie, it's like the twists and turns are there to... Like, it's just very well tailored together. Mm and sort of ties itself up nicely in a way that uh, Parasite doesn't. Not that you have to do that. Mm. It's just, it, it works very well for this movie. Yeah. I just think, like, overall, it's just an impressive work. Yeah, yeah. It has kind of um, a theme of class difference. Oh, yeah. Uh, like I mean, the... like, I'm not sure we said it, but Ryu is a factory worker, and he gets laid off early on in the movie. And um, we see this other engineer at this company who mutilates himself, you but, sense but, the despair of these people who don't yeah. have the money. Like, the theme is, it's all written around Ryu not having the money for life-changing organ transplant. Yeah. Like, so so the lack of money and class is actually integral to the movie, mm. but it never beats you over the head with it. No, 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 no. It's, it's like there is an implicit part of that society. Yeah. And... Like, unlike Eden yeah, Lake, yeah. which we watched, yeah. the themes of class in that movie are a lot more ham-fisted mm. than this movie. It's there and it's integral, but it's it leaves the work up to the viewer to connect the dots. And again, that makes you feel sort of very involved in the movie. Yeah, but also the, one of the big differences here is that it doesn't really judge one type of class better than the other. Whereas you have the working class people, lack of security, they have a lot of difficult, practical difficulties. Yeah. Like the, the rich people, they're kind of um, cold and fake and unhelpful to each other. Like yeah. a funeral for um, Dong Jin's daughter. Yeah. You see his wife and some of the other people, but it's quite cold yeah. and impersonal. When you see the people around him, it's one of the ways it, it garners sympathy for him also as a viewer because it, it doesn't really make him out to be like this rich douchebag. No, he's, he's, he's just seems, a normal guy He seems in a way. very sympathetic and he's yeah. completely distraught at the mm. loss of his daughter. Mm. Uh, and you have this lovely scene where he sort of dreams that his daughter is back and she's dripping uh, with water and sort yeah. of seaweed. And then later it's implied that 
<laughs> may have been real or something. Like mm. you see the puddle on the floor later when the mm. police inspector is there. Yeah. But also yeah. a very nice touch about class in this movie is um, when they find the body, Dojin is being interviewed by the police in a police car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he goes to take a phone call. And he's the like police officer. Yeah, the police officer. And it's implied that he needs money for some surgery or something. And it's like, tell me 10 million won. And it's implied that he's going to have a hard time paying that. Like even him. Yeah. There's this class thing and he's... He's interviewing this guy and he's like, uh, how much money do you make? Like, you feel the tension there. But the, the that's funny because the police officer also says, yeah, it's a hard time getting this money, but it's lucky we're not rich because then we have troubles with our children's getting kidnapped or something yeah. like that. So, and again, it's yeah. it's funny. and It's, it's quite poignant, that scene. Yeah, it's actually. poignant and funny. And one of the small touches to this mm. movie that elevated from the realm of pure entertainment or mm. even a good movie about revenge to something that's... It feels socially conscious in a way that yeah, other violent and extreme revenge flicks often don't. Yeah, yeah, it has a lot of these little details and elements that are really quite charming. Like this, I noticed that when I saw it again now, the black market donor people on the wall in her office, the mother, there's this um, sculpture of a frog. <laughs> like like a frog cut in half, like yeah. a quite big sculpture with the intestines and stuff. Mm. So it's got sort of an absurd element there. It's, it's yeah, it's s- like a, a sort of a full, sort of like a bizarro doctor's office. Yeah. She has like an anatomical drawing of a heart or something. Yeah. And it, yeah, uh, you know, it's framed with that sort of faux doctor vibe mm. uh, as she is trying, to, as she's shaking and trying to take a heroin shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and it's like this concrete wall and it's kind of <laughs> mixed up the kind of professional stuff with the kind of just weird or they're just certainly yeah, not professional. It's really, it's um, really interesting. And we have this uh, quite nice scene at the very beginning when they've kidnapped the, the girl because they're pretending, she doesn't know she's kidnapped, she thinks she's just being watched by some of her father's friends. Yeah. And um, his girlfriend, Jung Mi, sings this song about um, kind of this pro-democracy, anti-communist song and they're dancing around just on the playground there. It's quite sweet. And again, that ties into the whole class thing because she's against the consumer Mm. society Mm. and she's, you know, tied up with this this notion of the Western influence being bad and, and, and capitalism being bad. And again, like everything ties together, but it's also funny on its own, like as a scene. Mm. The scene where she's uh, talking to the gang. Well, Ryu's girlfriend is the one who sort of um, makes a deal with them and uh, so they can locate them. Yeah. <laughs> and as she's leaving the office, she, she says like, uh, yeah, I'll wire you the money tomorrow. But mm. And she turns to leave, but then she turns back and, <laughs> yeah. and hands them these, uh, these pamphlets, <laughs> these flyers, you know, uh, reject um, capitalism. Yeah, or it's funny. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's really funny. Nice touch. But also that serves a plot point because later they mm. managed to tie it to her mm. because of the, the flyers. Yeah. So, so again, it's just, it serves multiple functions. Yeah, it's like a quirky character element and also a plot uh, thing. Yeah, yeah, and the movie's just chock full of those mm. moments. You know, another thing I noticed this time was um, it's quite striking, Ryu, his hair color, which is kind of blue, greenish. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of... I mean, it's not like a well-done color job. It has these blonde splotches and it's a bit grown out yep. with the dark hair underneath. But in the beginning of the movie, as he's leaving his factory, you see some of the other young workers and they yep. also have colored hair, like yep. red or yellow. It's like stuff that the young people do, which the older workers don't. Yeah, I find it visually interesting. Yeah. Like you see it now, it's a lot more common, mm. especially in Korea, mm. to have those types of hair colors. Like you see a lot of K-pop stuff mm. and like, it's pretty common now, but apparently it was pretty common back then, which 
wasn't like um, it was more uncommon hair uh, at that point. Yeah, I think. But I think it's visually striking, yeah. and, it, and that's you know one of the elements of this movie that mm. that makes it instantly recognizable yeah. is that hair color. Yeah. Um, but it's it, yeah because it's not doesn't look cool necessarily. It's no. it's quite striking, but it looks a bit off. It actually. doesn't look bad. It mm. doesn't look cool. Mm. But I think. Like the aesthetics of it now are very much in vogue, like the mm. baseball cap and the sort of yeah. grown out dyed hair and this and stuff. It, yeah, because it he, looks uh, it looks striking, and I like it. Yeah, because he, he keeps practicing baseball in the uh, yeah, and that's evenings. also a moment of foreshadowing yeah. because yeah. he practices baseball, and then later he uses a baseball bat to beat the living shit out of those goons. Yeah, yeah, and that I guess that gives a a sense of believability to. Um, him yeah, because I, he, able to attack these quite he much larger. Come out of the blue with a baseball bat, mm. like you might mm. see in a less sophisticated mm. movie. They laid the groundwork for that to happen, mm. sort of in a believable way. Yeah, just very well done. And there's just one other scene which I found darkly funny mm. and horrible and super uncomfortable. Was uh, Dungeon is torturing uh, Raya's girlfriend. Yeah, uh, and. That's the scene where she says, um, I'm part of a terrorist organization and they're going to find you and kill you. Mm. At that point, you don't believe it because you're informed that the organization is just her. Well, afterwards, you find that out. Mm. You don't really believe her then either. It's the way she says it. It just sounds like a bit braggy. And pathetic. (laughs) But she ordered food before Dungeon showed up Mm. and he accepts the food. And he's like eating it and he has this takeout container on the floor. Mm. And then... Because he's he's been electrocuting her. Yeah, he has these uh, buzzers in her ears, yeah. and then he puts a blanket over her face, and then turns the dial off. Yeah, and she starts screaming. But yeah. but yeah, uh, she's just unconscious or whatever over in the corner with a like this piss comes like dribbling towards this takeout yeah. container because she urinates. Yeah. Um, and he throws the blanket over the piss and just keeps eating. Like, it's so disgusting. Yeah, yeah at first he of, looks kind of just a bit disgusted, but then anyway, he eats it. Uh, yeah, but also uh, sort of uh, just this small, like, just regular, like, it, it seems like such normal detail mm. that really sells the entire scene. Mm. Yeah, I find that really cool uh, and horrible. I would say uh, just a fantastic movie overall. Yeah, I really like it. For a long time, it's been my favorite of Park Chan-wook's films. Yeah, and Although he's made I, a lot of really great yeah, he movies. Yeah, uh, I, I really director. also liked Handmaiden. And I think, I feel like I need to see Thirst again, this vampire movie. He yeah, I, I saw it. Uh, I don't remember too much of it. I yeah. recall being, you know, intrigued by it, but I don't recall yeah. liking it this level. Well, I suspect it's kind of a film maybe deserves a second watch. Yeah. And last year, 2018, he had a tv series called the little drummer girl based right. on john Le career book i think which i haven't seen but it's got a lot of good reviews it's like a eight episode miniseries yeah um so i'm very curious to see that yeah same um, i want to see that i guess like the trilogy my least favorite used to be lady vengeance but i also haven't seen that for many years so i'm yeah, not same. sure how i would relate to it now but it kind of had some of the more stylistic flourishes of old boy Mm. I seem to recall. Yeah. I also want to add that the, there's a connection between this movie and Parasite because uh, oh, yeah. uh, Song Kang-ho, is uh, he plays in that movie as well. Oh, cool. Uh, really well. And also he's in Memories of Murder, which I rewatched recently. Also an amazing Korean movie. Yeah. There's, there's so, so much, many. Yeah, there's so yeah. many good Korean movies. Yeah, we've, been t- we've talked a lot about that. There's yeah. uh, like the 
from like the early aughts and onwards. Yeah, like the late, Korean New Wave yeah. is really, you know, gaining momentum in the early 2000s and just, it yeah. keeps going from there. Yeah. And now you have the new batch of the yeah. 2010s. Uh, so much good stuff. When, when I first saw this movie, early 2000s, I hadn't really seen so many South Korean films. And at this point, I'd seen quite a lot of Japanese films. Yeah. And my impression had been that South Korean films, they were kind of the weakest sibling of the Japanese. I'd seen stuff like Tale of Two Sisters and that sort of stuff, which is, yeah. it's a horror film stylistically made, not that great. But, um, I mean, as time has gone by and I've seen more and more, like, there's so many interesting filmmakers and great films. Now and again, I just discover a new filmmaker who's done all these great films and yeah. it's it's such a like a, a rich uh yeah there's so much there. to just uh, yeah. dive into and watch you know um i think part of the reason why there's been such an output of at least part of the reason is i think um because during the 90s like in 1994 i think mm. uh like there was something like 80 percent of movies watched in korea was from hollywood yeah so so the korean government uh, decided to financially um, well finance basically culture and media as a way of sort of uh, growing their soft power on a global scale. And I think that has just paid off mm -hmm. really well. Like, I'm not saying that is the reason, but that is that laid some of the foundation it definitely helps, yeah. for and the Korean new wave. You can kind of tell that they're quite influenced by Western media, oh, yeah. but they have a very distinct identity of their own i think it's very oh. irreverent hmm. they don't glorify it in the same way a lot of western movie makers are sort of yeah. bound by the by their predecessors and they don't necessarily follow the same plot points i mean a lot of western films they have like a template they follow now this happens oh, now yeah. that happens this act here this act there and they can have a similar type of movie but just with differently placed things and it just gives it a quite a different vibe um, yeah and um i, I, I read an article somewhere about why? Because a lot of these films also have these twists or turns or shifts. They turn from one genre to another. They yeah, mix up often things. very gender identity and the 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 genre of the movie is often a bit unclear. And often it changes. When, yeah, it has and an often evolution. when it is uh, a genre movie, it often sort of um, goes away from that yeah. in the middle of the movie or, or yeah. something like that. I think this fucking with your expectations of it. And this essay was. Um, talking about like how a lot of these filmmakers had the experience of going through the Korean War or like this shift in society that happened post-Korean War where you went from a strict communist society to a, a very capitalist society. And this kind of direct change in society creates kind of like um, impetus or like a different mindset mm. that means that this, these kind of shifts seems more natural. In yeah, the because narrative. South Korea was a, I don't know if it was a military dictatorship, but it was a, a sort of a very authoritarian state up yeah. until the 90s or something. Like it's quite uh, late. Yeah, so all these filmmakers making these movies definitely have some mixed experiences because mm. now it's, you know, a capitalist superpower almost. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. Exporting culture and it's just growing more and more like this Korean wave of culture. And music. Uh, At the same time, they have this dynamic with North Korea, which is quite tense. Uh, oh yeah, there's this deep sense of tension, yeah. which I think a lot of a lot of younger uh, South Koreans probably don't experience in the same way. From what I've heard, mm. anyway, mm. it can be easy to forget that you have this history mm. of conflict. Actually, his, uh, the film he made just before this, uh, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, he made a film called Joint Security Area. Yeah, which, I, I talked uh, about it earlier because uh, I think. Uh, two of the actors in this one, uh, uh, Song Kang Ho and um, and Ryu, the actor who plays Ryu, 
Or in that as well. Yeah, they play in that. And it, it's quite controversial because what it does, it talks about the friendship across the border, the north and south, and, yeah. which is a difficult theme for a lot of people. But it's a very... I mean, it's a, such a charming movie and the friendship across the border mm. has, a, has such a powerful impact. It reminds me of uh, Christmas truce in World War One, when soldiers from both Germany and France and England, you know, crossed the uh, no man's land mm. to play football and just have a yeah. sort of a New Year's. There's beauty in that. It's the same in joint security area. You really feel the sort of preciousness of, of human empathy and uh, relations across political divides. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's a part of why there's this tension in, in South Korean movie making mm. is so appealing or interesting. I don't mm. know. Yeah, and Park Chan-wook, he's very like a, a humanist um, director. He's very concerned about... It's so easy to make a film about violence and to glorify it or to make it... Flashy and... Yeah. Or, and, or and even hor- horrific, but... I just think that he, he across his films, he often shows like a, a humanist element mm. uh, and an interest in different types of people. The Handmaiden also has some of these queer elements. Yeah. But yeah, that's uh, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. Yeah. Go watch it if you haven't, because it's really fucking cool. Yeah, it's, it's a very good movie. All right, uh, Sverem, do you have any good unpleasant recommendations for us i do actually uh i think this one i think you're familiar with this one um it's a video game called kenshi yeah <laughs> uh developed and published by lo-fi games for windows as per wikipedia yeah it came out earlier this year didn't it yeah i think the full release but it's been in production for years and years yeah, like uh, since, early access type yeah no even before that like uh since 2007 and oh, i think really? it was uh developed primarily by one guy for like years mm. like while he was working security as sort of a main <laughs> income and it's really a, it's a really cool project basically the game is sort of post-apocalyptic team-based sort of uh I don't even quite know how to describe it, but it's sort of a, it's a, a bit samurai inspired. It's a bit like a lone wanderer kind of thing, but then eventually you gain sort of a team and you, you're wandering across this incredibly hostile uh, landscape. Like a desert landscape. Yeah, des- mm-hmm. well, there's lots of different types of landscapes, mm-hmm. which is one of the things that are cool. The, the map is really, really big and okay. it takes a long time to travel across it. And uh, and it's like a, a third person. Yeah, it's a third person. Um, it's totally reminiscent of the early Fallout games. Yeah. Uh, where you're also post-apocalyptic. You play as a character and you can gain team members. But it's a lot, lot more sort of uh, ambitious than Fallout. Because it also features... Um, eventually you can uh, like... Uh, build a lot of stuff it's also a survival game because yeah. it's like an open world in a yeah, sense open so you can world. do whatever you like you can and, do whatever you like yeah. and there's a lot of there's so much agency in this yeah. uh, game yeah. but also it's incredibly difficult and brutal yeah. and it's so easy to get killed it's so easy to get maimed like lose a limb it's so easy to get enslaved. But all these things happened and you have sort of options when they happen. Mm. Like if you're captured by slavers, you can escape and stuff. If you lose a limb, you can sort of get a replacement limb. Yeah, you, you get these uh, mechanical limbs, don't you? Yeah, you, you can. But the thing is, 
everything you do in this world has these far-reaching consequences. And in this incredibly hostile world, everything feels like it has like ramifications and you just feel the danger of the world in a in a way that very few games I know manage to parallel. I think one of the few games that does it equally well is mm. uh, Dwarf Fortress, yeah, yeah. which is also just this dense and just super deep and difficult and hostile RPG world. Yeah, well, I haven't played it. You've played it quite a lot. But yeah. as I understand it, Dwarf Fortress is one of these games that has like a seemingly endless potential for weird and wonderful things to happen. Yeah, it's more of a sort of a, everything is procedural. Nothing is pre-written in it. Mm. Everything is like the building blocks. It simulates like weather and geology and society yeah. and even poetry and like gods and everything yeah, is yeah. procedural and you yeah. play as dwarfs trying to settle a, a fortress. But Kenshi is similar to it in a lot of ways, but also quite different. Unlike Dwarf Fortress, it's a lot easier to play. Yeah, it's like a graphical The, the controls, thing, yeah. it, it's, it looks a lot better. Uh, the world is just really, it looks very good. Like the graphics aren't great, but the sort of art direction is pretty cool. Yeah, The landscapes are really big. Mm. You feel so insignificant and you really are. Mm. It takes a long time to learn shit, to get yeah. better. Like it feels super realistic in that sense. And nearly fucking everyone you meet has the potential to kill you yeah, or yeah, maim yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's... it's and um, how, how far have you gotten in this game? Not far, man. Yeah. I, like, I have a pretty large party, but we're yeah. all, like, fucking weaklings. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you never feel safe. Like, I don't feel safe. Like, <laughs> always... Like, you... At some points, you're just trying to, like... I follow, like, more uh, well-equipped units... Mm. And I like a fucking scavenger. Mm. And like if they attack someone, I'll just uh, swoop in and steal some gear yeah, and fucking yeah, yeah. scatter away. Like it feels, it's funny. It's really funny. And um, the characters and the sort of factions and stuff, it's pretty cool. It's mm. pretty interesting, um, in, like design-wise. Really hostile, really unpleasant. Like yeah. you, you're on the edge of your seat as you're playing it, <laughs> but it's also super rewarding. Uh, yeah, so. I played it for a while actually. And um, I, I managed to, get a group of people and I was starting to build like my little fortress and yeah because uh, <laughs> you have to gather resources and all these things takes a yeah, lot of time and you're constantly yeah. on the edge of starvation yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Like, and figuring out the out dynamics is quite demanding yeah I, I read that the, the developer specifically designed his game to avoid the hand holding of modern games like yeah. often you have like tool tips mm. and like uh yeah quest markers and shit like that mm. and you're all always spoon-fed information and this game like i said it, it's reminiscent of earlier rpgs where mm. you're not told a great deal and you really have to use your uh own brain to figure out where shit is like but do you find that you're going onto the internet and checking out wikis and stuff to figure out not too much no mm. not really like only to see if stuff's possible, mm. and it generally is. Mm. Like it's a very well designed game. Nice, but yeah, harrowing and unpleasant. <laughs> That's my recommendation. Kenshi, if you're interested in PC gaming and RPGs or sort of a uh, difficult RPGs, yeah, I recommend it. Yeah, so um, actually, I'm going to recommend a YouTube channel, and it's a British guy called Syriac Harris. He's, oh yeah, yeah. His um, YouTube channel is just called Syriac. And pretty famous. He, yeah, well, the thing is, he, he started out making these gifts in the early aughts. And um, a lot of them are, are quite like famous memes. You 
it's likely you've seen something like maybe just um, a car with uh, mechanical legs walking along, just these simple things. Yeah, and some of them yeah. went quite viral in its day. Yeah. Anyway, his YouTube channel is, is really great. Um, <laughs> he makes these videos, these, these absurdist, quite uh, weird and funny and quite intense animations. Often it starts with a simple element, like a sheep or a cat walking along. And then something happens and another sheephead comes up and it's making a sound, it's turning around and then another sheephead comes up and it's start, it has this kind of a, a looping theme with new elements uh, popping out and it kind of continuously escalates from something that's quite cute and funny to something that's absolutely horrifying and really intense. Yeah, these like big structure, creature yeah. structures. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, they become like mutated monsters. <laughs> that's <and> horrible. <laughs> it's, it's all sorts of different things like some chimps and I mean he has these animals and he also has one about um, a mouth that opens up with teeth and the, you're going through like the intestines and the, all the weird things that happens <laughs> in there. Uh, it's, it's like really funny and um very catchy it's uh, yeah, it's quite it, the it has a quite a recognizable style it yeah. does have a really i mean you can see style. almost anything of his and you you'd think you'd seen it uh, particularly the sheep videos is very popular yeah, yeah. it I just think, it starts with just a sheep walking and like turning his head towards the camera opening your mouth nah. and i think that was the clip he had just a short clip yeah and he managed to make this um i don't know maybe five minute video uh, of this mutating sheep becoming more and more crazy. Yeah, with, it's almost like a music video. It has that element, and he has done some music videos. Yeah. And he did a music video for Run the Jewels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Run the Jewels. With, uh, with cats, uh, which also starts out quite funny and becomes really horrifyingly monstrous and weird yeah. and has this demon and angel cat monsters towards each other. And then just really funny and, and yeah. Probably you've seen... A bunch of his stuff, but I really recommend going into his YouTube channel and taking a bit of a deep dive because he's really done so many things. And even though the loop is kind of similar, they're still surprising and very funny. Yeah, I like I know of of him, but I haven't really. I'm not subscribed to his YouTube yeah. channel or anything, so I might you check should, that out. You should see this uh, uh, Run the Jewels. Um, yeah, I, I like Run the Jewels. They're a great, yeah. uh, great group. Yeah, yeah. This music video I did is, is really nice. Um, All right. Well, uh, there you have it. A couple of recommendations for you. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you next time. Which movie are we discussing next time? Well, the next movie is kind of like the granddaddy of all unpleasant Granddaddy. It's, uh, it's a real classic. It's a super difficult watch, but a super important and really very strong movie on all levels. And it's uh, Pasolini's Salo, or yes. 100 Days of Sodom. So that'll be exciting. Yeah, <laughs> it will. Well, until next time then, stay cool and keep healthy and, uh, you know. Take care. And uh, call your mom every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye.